Good morning. Kitty and I are glad to be able to share the day with you. It's a, always a special occasion for us to be here with you. And uh, so that we don't de uh, detract from our attention that we need to give to the Lord, I wanted to um, share a couple of pieces of literature with you, a few pieces of literature that will be back on the back table, and we can talk to you more about the, those. Please feel free to uh, take uh, a prayer reminder so that you're praying for us if you do that, please. Sorry it's so big, it takes up too much room on the refrigerator, I think, really, but uh, anyway, that's what we have. Uh, there's some information uh, cards back there that you can fill out just for information about ABW or other questions you might have, and that goes to our mobilization department. And we're glad to answer your questions, and of course you can always uh, connect directly with Kitty and me, and we'll be glad to answer your question about missionary service or anything else that you might have. I want to share with you um, this little uh, opportunity. This is a, an opportunity free to you to go to Harrisburg and to uh, learn more about missionary service and ABW. It's called 24-Hour Demo. And so ABW takes care of you if you can get there and... If you uh, uh, want to know about missionary service in, a, in more detail, get to know what the home office looks like. Kitty and I don't serve in the home office. We're over in Togo, but uh, there is an office that has to function to serve us overseas, and so that's available to you, and that's free of charge. It's a good experience. Most people who have gone to that uh, have enjoyed it. And then uh, one of the most important things back there is short-term adult missionary service and this just explains a little bit about the short-term program which is two weeks to two years uh, renewable if you feel that you'd like to stay longer than that but it gives you opportunity to learn about missionary service uh, on site and so you get to eat the food you get to uh, be with the people that you're serving and watch other missionaries as they interact and to be part of a team and so we, we find that that's a very valuable experience to those who, for those that uh, maybe you're interested in serving, you don't, but you don't have a lot of time or resources at the moment, and you just want to be able to serve for a little while. You have a lot of options there. And it's really out of that program that most of our career missionaries are coming now, or many of them, I should say, are coming. And so that's an important uh, feature for us and a good experience for uh, those who want to learn a little bit more in-depth about how to serve Christ. Kitty and I are carrying with us uh, throughout our travels this summer, and we've had quite a few uh, meetings that are supporting churches. We're carrying a theme with us, and it has to do with uh, mobilizing others to serve with us in our region of the world. There are many regions of the world that, that need uh, people to come and serve, but we're we're mobilizing people to come and serve with us so that we can be part of their lives and encouraging them uh, to uh, go into areas of the world that, are, that don't have opportunity to hear the gospel. And so uh, today I want to uh, try to reflect again on a very classic passage of scripture that you're all familiar with, but hopefully we will be able to look at it in just a little bit of a different way. And that is found in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. 
And while you're at it, if you would like to put your finger in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, I want to refer to that in just that passage in, in just a few minutes too. But I want us to look at uh, this very important set of verses, and then we'll, we'll read them, and then let's pray together, and then uh, see what God would have for us in those. So let's read those together, Matthew 9, 37, and 38. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, and the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. What we're asking you for uh, this morning, uh, Father, is that you would uh, demonstrate to us, demonstrate yourself to us, show us uh, through some of these thoughts and uh, the powerful word of God that you've privileged us with, uh, the things that you'd like us to know as individuals and as a congregation. Thank you that you've given us your word, which is powerful, which uh, penetrates and uh, changes our ways of thinking and brings us to a position where uh, we are right with you in our thinking. So thank you for uh, what uh, you will do in our lives in advance of that, and we pray that you'll guide us together as we think through this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this is a well-translated uh, passage, so I'm not disputing that at all, but I do want to take a little bit of a different look at it uh, because it has been motivational for me to do it that way. The passage says, uh, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I want to focus, first of all, on those two, uh, those two phrases. In uh, the most literal translation of those, there are no verbs in those first two uh, phrases. The harvest is plentiful. The word is is supplied there, and rightly so. I'm not disputing that. But the laborers are few. Uh, there's no verb there, but it's rightly translated. It is supplied, and it should be supplied there. But I want to uh, help us look at what that would mean to us if we were just to look at it purely literally, because then Jesus follows up with, with a command uh, to his disciples and it's significant because of the way this would come across. So Jesus is having uh, gone through a whole series uh, of healings and teachings with his disciples looking on. He now turns to them and says these two things. And if I could uh, be permitted just to do this very literally, this is what Jesus would have said or would have been saying to them. Jesus said, a plentiful harvest. No verb there. He's just saying, a plentiful harvest. Few laborers. A plentiful harvest. Few laborers. And it's as though here he's saying to his disciples, you do the math. The harvest is plentiful, but there are few laborers to meet that challenge. And then he gives them this command. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to thrust out or send out labors into his harvest. So here, if you were one of those original disciples, and by the way, we are his disciples. We are just generations after that, right? So this command filters down to us in our generation of discipleship. But to the originals, he, he was commanding them, this is an imperative, that they would pray. Now, if you were among them, wouldn't it be true that you would take, begin to take this very personally? Jesus has just said, a plentiful harvest. Look it. Look at that. But few laborers. Now, you pray. And when the disciples, if they were to be obedient to that command and, were, uh, and began praying about that, what would the result be in their lives? They would sense the need to respond. And so, in this passage, I think we can glean some things that are very important for them. They are for me. First of all, uh, you notice that the harvest belongs to God. It's God's harvest. He has the ownership of it. And then he says that the harvest is now. For the disciples, his disciples, it was right then and there. It was already there. It was already divinely prepared. And then we can say, I think legitimately, that the harvest is perpetually now. It was then, it is now, and it's perpetually now. That should say something to us. Because uh, his imperative to us demands an action. The harvest is there. The numbers of harvesters is inadequate, and that demands a response from us. Therefore, pray to the one who provides the laborers and who has already and is the owner of the harvest, that he would send forth his laborers out into that harvest. Now, what's the harvest? Well, that's the bringing in of, of souls who need to know Christ, who, who are uh, uh, being introduced to the kingdom of God and, uh, need, and, are, and are responsible morally to the king of kings. The harvest is now. Are you ready for a harvest? Are you ready for the harvest? The harvest that is around us? The harvest that is now? The harvest that has been prepared? The one that's owned by God? And has called us uh, into his service? <clears throat> you know, the, for, the, for the Jewish nation, the, the harvest was ongoing throughout the year. So that's where I, I glean the idea that the harvest is perpetually now. It's, it's at every moment throughout the year they experience God's blessing. And as the, the calendar developed for the Jewish nation, there wasn't just one single harvest time at the end of the fall or whatever however we might think of it. But the olives were harvested in September and November. Flax in March and April. Barley in April and May. Fruits such as figs and grapes were harvested at the end of the summer 
in August or September. And then they were back to the, the harvest in September and November again. So God had given them a rich land and God had prepared the way for them. God had prepared the harvest for them so that they would always be under his blessing. They would always experience that promised land. It was a gift from God. And so this uh, it seems to be tied with what he's saying to his disciples in regard to the spiritual harvest that is out there. That they need to be prepared at all times and in every place. Uh, not every harvest was in the same place. The, the figs were not in the wheat fields, but they were uh, where God was giving the harvest at a given point in time. And so um, our question is simply, are, are we ready for the harvest? Are we engaging in the harvest now, which is, which is there? And so I... I uh, this drew me to the passage in 1 Thessalonians, which I'd like to take you to uh, now. And just uh, think about our uh, interaction with God's purposes. God has, uh, this first passage explains to us how, how God has prepared the harvest. And I just wonder how he has prepared us for that harvest. The harvest is ongoing. It's perpetually now. We need to stay on high alert. We need to be engaged. We need to always be ready to respond. We need to follow his mandate. And we know, and by the way, uh, Kitty and I, I think, really appreciated the, the, what we learned in the first hour in, this, in the auditorium here, the presentation that was here, how, uh, that, uh, how that the world system is destroying our society and is destroying the foundation upon which uh, this particular country uh, was established uh, so that uh, men could uh, uh, rise up against God. And, and in fact, uh, that's one of the, the predictions or that's one of the statements about spiritual warfare, that it raises its head up against the knowledge of God. And uh, uh, part of uh, what draws me to this uh, passage, these passages today, is the fact that we see that same kind of destructive trend even in Africa. When we first went out and began to serve in Africa, it was a quiet little West African country. We had great liberty to serve the Lord and we saw wonderful fruit and wonderful evidence of the movement of the Spirit of God. And praise God, we still do. However, uh, things have changed. The world is changing. And we'll share a little bit more uh, tonight. I hope you can be here. If, if you can, you'll, you'll hear us talk about the changes that are taking place. And they're very rapid. And they're very significant in these, these African governments. When they're growing up, they're, they're uh, learning what their laws imply. And they're changing their laws to suit their objectives. And so it's the world around us in missionary service is changing rapidly. And uh, we see along with that, somebody asked me about the prosperity gospel. Is that influencing you in West Africa? And uh, my answer is yes, it's all around us. It's been in Accra, Ghana. It's been in Lagos, Nigeria. And it's encroaching now. It's pressing in on Togo. And we see big billboards. And this is, these are people that are very poor. And of course they're going to respond to that kind of a message. But it's not the true gospel that can save them. 
And so we see the, we, we see the willfulness of man raising itself up against the knowledge of God, and it's a concern for us that uh, we respond when we have the window of opportunity. And in fact, I really believe that our window in such a fruitful place as, as our part of West Africa is going to rapidly close before long. And we'll talk more about why that would be uh, this evening, Lord willing. So in 1 Thessalonians uh, <clears throat> chapter 1, I, I want to draw us to uh, thinking about who we are in, in relation to God's harvest and how we go about that. And, and, and it's just, uh, the, uh, again, a verse that you're familiar with as, as Paul expresses his, his encouragement over the Thessalonian church. And in, verses, in verse 3, he says, talks about remembering before God, our God and Father, your work of faith and your labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In our world, and we, I'm going to relate this to what we see in Africa as well. In our, in our world and in the life of the local church. We see sound, good, solid activity for Jesus Christ. We see uh, what we could take from Paul here as the work, a work of faith. A work of faith here uh, implies that uh, this is God's uh, intended function or God's intended work. This is, the, uh, this is what the Father gave to his, his Son, Christ, to do. Christ did it perfectly. And it was, it was handed off to the, his disciples. This is the work that he began. If we could maybe call it uh, something more simplistic, these are the chore, chores of Christianity. This is the mechanism. These are the things that need to be done to further the gospel in a local church or in uh, uh, foreign lands in, in missionary service. And so... These would be the things that Jesus began, but then he left them for his disciples to do, and they perpetuated them. They continued on those, uh, those things, the things that were committed to the apostles and the teachers. For example, uh, in the church of Antioch, that was uh, what they were engaged in in Acts chapter 13. This is the work that God requires. It's our duty toward him, the things that we ought to be doing, and those are all good. Jesus did those things. Those would be a work of faith. But Jesus never did a work of faith without it being a labor of love. And there's, so I just want to make that distinction for us today and uh, want to challenge myself and challenge you to think in these terms. Because if all we do is a work of faith, it's almost like as if we uh, are um, kind of employees of God. We're his employees, we do the chores, we function, we do the things day in and day out that it takes to make a church function well or to make a ministry function well. But if that's all we do, then it uh, tends to be uh, more of a devotion to the project. We're faithful in it, right? And we, uh, we do it well and we do it consistently, but if we're not careful, uh, we can find ourselves just working for God. A work, now a labor of love, which 
Jesus also brought consistently together with his work of faith has to do with um, the intensity of serving in the way that uh, he wanted to demonstrate to us and he did effectively. It's an exertion. It's, it's working uh, ourselves to weariness. Now, I'm not advocating working till you burn out. I'm not advocating that. We see too much of that on the mission field. Missionaries just burn out. They, they just go nonstop, and then before long, we find out that they're really hurting. They need to come home for longer rest than just their furlough even, maybe counseling and some other things like that. We're not it's not, it's not good to burn yourself out, to burn the candle at both ends. and to, uh, It's not noble to kill yourself that way. That's not what, what God is intending. God uh, will do the work. All we need to do is be faithful in it and to serve him to the best of our ability. So uh, in this intensity and in working ourselves uh, to weariness, we're not talking about to the point of, of burnout, but it, it's an intense, it's strenuous, it's what... It's the way that the soldier is in battle. He has a mission to accomplish, and he, he strives for that, and he works uh, strongly to accomplish it. So it has to do with physical and mental toil, and with a passion and a love uh, that demonstrates the person of Jesus Christ, a labor of love. And so instead of just working for God, in that case, then we're working with God. We're finding out where he is accomplishing his will and purposes in the lives of the lost. And we uh, are right there. We go there to join him in that. And we serve uh, working with God. And so instead of just a devotion to the project of the gospel, now we can say that we are devoted to the person. We have a, devo a devotion to the person of Jesus Christ who gave himself for the lost and so, you know, I want to make sure that I'm careful for myself and my own ministry, for Kitty and me, that, that we are doing a work of faith, but that we combine it with uh, our labor of love. So that we're not just going through the routine of missionary activity, but rather we are accomplishing, doing, working with God, and that we're focusing on Him, His person, and that we would be uh, faithful to Him, not just uh, uh, faithful to accomplishing a particular set of things that missionaries ought to be doing. And I'm concerned about uh, this in particular because as we come away from Africa and this, we've just been home uh, three months now and came home uh, mainly on a reporting uh, time of, uh, to a number of our churches. Um, as we come away from Africa, I'm burdened for our young people because uh, many of them uh, are very faithfully working for Christ. They love the Lord. Many of these are pastor's kids, and they're serving well. They're, uh, they are uh, engaged in the activity of the church. But several pastors have shared with me their con concern about the generation that follows them that uh, good young people solidly aligned with the word of God, they, they love what they're doing, but they're not interested, and they say so, they don't really want to be the next generation of pastors and leaders and those that move the gospel forward. 
It's not that they don't want the gospel to go forward. They just don't want to uh, be in a position like their fathers were or uh, like other church leaders were. And it's a kind of a sobering thought to know what's going to happen in the next generation of the church. So with the encroachment of all some of the things I've mentioned just a, a few minutes ago and, the, and wondering whether or not there will be an engagement of the next generation of workers, it, uh, it brings concern to our hearts. And we want to make sure that, that we do what we need to do to uh, mitigate that in our uh, ministries in Africa with that generation. And so um, we want to make sure that we're not losing the quality of the, the Christian, the believing community, the communities of faith that are there, that they are maintaining a high level of commitment. And again, uh, what we learned in uh, the previous hour was astounding to see what's going on in our society. And, it, and African society is not uh, far behind. So um, the local church is God's intended instrument, of course, for evangelism and, and reaching the nations. And so I think we need to uh, ask God for a renewal of those Acts 13 experiences. You remember what was going on in Acts, that they were together, they were all together, they were uh, functioning seriously together, and the apostles were teaching and preaching. And it was in that format, it was in that atmosphere, that the Holy Spirit then himself uh, said to the church, call out Barnabas and Saul for me. To, and, and so they were sent out, by the commendation of the church who then prayed, laid hands on them, and immediately in obedience to the Holy Spirit's initiative, sent them out into service. Now these were uh, key people in their church. And so uh, I want to encourage you that we need to have and ask God perhaps for those Acts 13 moments. We need them over and over again because the harvest is perpetual. It's now. And it's always going to be now until Jesus Christ comes back and fulfills his purposes in the world and until he decides that it's time. I ran across a, a story, and I'd like to um, finish this morning with this, uh, in this uh, story, and then some questions that are rhetorical that it would be good, I think, for us to ask ourselves. This man says, and I don't know who the author is, the author was not given, he said, years ago, I lived in a town where I could never buy anything to fit me. I used to send away occasionally to a certain large store for what I needed, and they would send me printed order forms. At the bottom of the form were some such words as these. It said, if we have not the article you ordered in stock, may we substitute. Now, how many of you would be willing for a store to just substitute something for what you ordered? But anyway, once I said yes, and they wrote... We are sorry, we have not in stock the article you ordered, but we are substituting. And they sent me something that was worth double the price I paid. They made it a rule that if they could not supply the article ordered, 
to substitute it with one of much better quality. And then this author says, uh, ever after that I printed out boldly so that they would understand why ES. Then he says, when we pray to God, we had better put on the order form that we are quite willing to let him substitute. For every time he does, he sends us something far better, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, Ephesians 3.20. So I'd like to just uh, conclude our thoughts today with some of these questions. I want to ask you if you're willing to let God substitute your best people to go into service. You know, in the Acts 13 experience, those were the key teachers and, and leaders. Are you willing to let God substitute your best people, knowing full well that he's going to fill the gap? In uh, Lome, uh, which is where the very first church is that ABW established way back in the early 70s, it was a very interesting phenomenon to me that that, that little church, which really uh, could only house about 300, that the building could only house about 300, when they uh, grew and developed, there was a passion that came uh, as people sent word from uh, surrounding areas or neighborhoods that they wanted a church to be established in their neighborhood. So this church would send out, I don't know how many people, 40 people or some that were from that area and send out a leader and, and a church would be established out there. And the 40 that they gave up, that the, the church soon would fill up again. And they did this multiple times, which just demonstrates what, what this is saying. Uh, God will substitute, he will provide uh, and fill in the gap for any uh, uh, anything that uh, he takes away in his service, including our best people. Are you willing to intentionally equip and empower, identifying and then uh, sending out, releasing people from your congregation again and again into service? Are you willing to let God do quality control? Let him decide who that is. Because it was the Holy Spirit who identified and said, send me out those people. That may be a little bit hard for us to release and to do. Are you willing to let God substitute how your training will be used? Many of us, I talked about the short-term experience. A lot, of, a lot of people come to us with a set of, of abilities. They come to us with a lot of training. And uh, they come to the mission field and they find out that maybe the thing that they train for is not what God is gonna, how God's going to use them. God's going to use them in a completely different way. We have medical people that come out and they, they end up, of all things, being a church planter because they have a passion for uh, seeing churches established. And their training really had nothing to do with it. It, it equipped them. They were, that enabled them to get there and be ready and have a high quality and a standard of of professionalism that they were needing to use on the, on the mission field, but what they actually did was something that they did not train for. Are you an engineer? Are you a nurse? Are you a nurse's aide? Are you a housekeeper? Uh, what, have, what have you trained for? What, is, what are your capabilities? If you go to, into service for God, are you willing to let him just kind of set that all aside in order that 
you can be used most effectively according to his plan so that the lost can be reached. Many times that will be your, uh, that will be true. And we, most of us missionaries find out that we end up doing a whole lot of things that we never thought we would be doing or are not even trained to do. And yet God uses us in that way. Are you willing to let God send you a replacement idea about what your living standards would be and, and your uh, professional standards would be? Because things just change in the third world when you get to a different environment and you're in a different culture. Uh, you, you may have to accept some significant changes. And in fact, uh, that's one of the difficulties that missionaries have. They, they run into to things that are really different than what they're used to. And, and you have a choice. You can either accept it or just reject it. Say, I'm not living that way. If you reject it, you're going to suffer. You're going to have a hard time out there. So, are you willing? Are you willing to let God renovate your, your personal budget in order that you would go and your whole idea of the future, financial future, whatever, is, is shifted because of what he wants to do in your lives. I'm just wondering, are we willing? Well, the harvest is now. And God calls us individually to his harvest. He gives us a command that we would pray that God would send out people into his harvest. That doesn't mean that he didn't say, pray that he would send you. He said, pray that he would send his people, his choice of people, into the harvest. So uh, as uh, one of our uh, brothers prayed earlier, I think, uh, in this hour, uh, are you going to be one of the, 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 one of the goers? Are you going to be one of the senders, one of the providers? Which part are you going to be? But that's still part of that prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust out not just this just isn't a trickle but that he would thrust out his servants into his harvest so that the lost can come to know him so kitty and i uh, always have to uh, revise and rethink our our commitment whether we're going to be uh, just doing a work of faith or whether we're going to do it as a labor of love whether we're going to be passionate about the person that we serve and or if we're just going to end up being uh, a cynical part of the project that's out there and so um, thank you for praying for us uh, we need that and we were joking uh, uh, I think it was last week we were joking about uh, a phrase that one of the church planners in Chicago area shared with me. He said, you know, missionaries are a lot like people. <laughs> Whatever problems you have here, the missionaries have. And Kitty and I experienced the same thing, the same struggles, the same challenges. So we really need you to pray for us and, and thank you for doing it. And let me just say that we pray for you. Uh, it's important the Antioch church had to be stable, it had to be significant, and a lot of important things had to be going on there for them to be able to send out their missionaries. And that's true of any local church today. So uh, remember the harvest. Ask yourself if you're ready for the harvest, please. And remember that God owns it, that he's prepared it, and uh, that it is perpetually now uh, for us each day.
Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for how you care for us. Thank you for how you direct us. We know that, that uh, really we have very little that we can offer you, and yet you have chosen in your love and sovereignty to uh, take a, a few loaves, a few little fishes, and to multiply them and to bless people with them and to bring glory to yourself. And that's, that's what we ask you to do with us. Help us to be your servants. Help us to be faithful. Help us to uh, let this be about you and not us. In Jesus' name, amen.